If you turn in your Bibles to Joshua chapter number 5, I'm going to quickly get into the Word of God. And uh, I've just felt such a peace and presence of God about the remarks that God has given me to make here today. And uh, I believe God wants to help somebody. Sometimes we view God as the judge in the sky, and indeed He is the eternal judge, but God wants to help somebody. If you came here and you have a view of God that God is against you and you can never measure up, I'm here to tell you God wants to help somebody. God wants to heal somebody. God wants to deliver somebody. God loves you more than you can imagine, more than you can fathom, more than you can think. That's how much He loves you. And so I believe God has sent me here with something to preach today that's going to help somebody. And, and I'm just believing, God, that when we leave here, some things are going to be lifted off of people. Amen. How many of you would agree with me on that? Amen. Let's agree together in the Holy Ghost. Joshua chapter 5, verse number 6. I'm just going to read one verse of Scripture out of the English Standard Version. It says this. It says, For the people of Israel walked 40 years everybody say 40 years 40 years in the wilderness 40 years of wandering 40 years between leaving Egypt and entering the promised land 40 years they walked in the wilderness until all the nation the men of war who came out of Egypt perished because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. And the Lord swore to them that he would not let them see the land that the Lord had sworn to their fathers to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. Verse 7 says, So it was their children whom he raised up in their place that Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. And listen to what he says. And when the circumcising of the whole nation was finished, they remained in their places in the camp until they were healed. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. And so the name of the place is called Gilgal to this day. Joshua tells Israel, he says, For 40 years our fathers wandered in the wilderness. And the whole time God just wanted to bring them into the land of promise. Today I, I want to preach to you from this subject. Saved. Everybody say saved. Israel was saved from Egypt, but they were stuck in the wilderness. Forty years of wandering between the time of their deliverance and to the time of God's delivering them into the promised land. They were saved, somebody say saved, but stuck. And I want to preach to you about that today. Can we pray together, Lord? I just pray that you would help me to preach, help me to communicate your word with anointing and power. God, I pray you would help me to deliver it to them just as you delivered it to my heart. And I pray, Lord, that we would walk out of here unstuck, God, that somebody would find the freedom that they're looking for today. In Jesus' name, God, we give you the rest of the service. God, we give you our attention. We give you our hearts so that you will speak and lead us. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. God bless you. You can be seated. You know, the internet is an incredible place. Can I get an amen? You never know what you're going to see on the internet. <laughs> Social media is spectacular, remarkable, and that you never know what's going to pull up next. And so uh, I want to start my remarks this morning by 
uh, sharing a short clip that I ran into a few weeks ago. Uh, a pastor had shared it, um, uh, and, and you'll understand why here in just a moment, but he shared this video, and he said every pastor here can relate, but it's the video of a sheep that is caught in a trench. Anybody remember this video? Maybe wave your hand at me if you saw this video. There's a sheep, and they're pulling him out of the trench. Go ahead and play that video. It's just a short clip. They're, they're taking the sheep. He's been stuck, and, and here the shepherd, the boy, is, is doing his best to pull him out, and he pulls him out. Victory is mine. Victory is mine. Victory. Oh, never, never mind. <laughs> he leaps out. Only to jump right back in. <laughs> Set free, only to get stuck all over again. And, I, and when I, sometimes something you see on the internet hits you right in the feels. <laughs> pastor Brady Shear from uh, Colorado shared this video and he said every pastor can relate because we help people get out of the ditch only to watch them run and jump right back in. Can anybody relate to that feeling of being set free only shortly thereafter to find that you're stuck again. Things were going so well. Victory was yours. The blood was applied. But suddenly, a few steps down the line, a few steps later in the story, you're right back where you started. And it feels like you were never really free at all. And before we laugh too hard, at the sheep, we get stuck sometimes too. We get stuck in struggling marriages, stuck in sinful mindsets and in temptations that we can't seem to overcome. There's a reason that scripture calls it the bondage of sin, amen? Because it's as if we're in chains to behavior and sins that we wish that we could be free from. We get stuck sometimes. We get stuck in life circumstances that are beyond our control. We get stuck in situations that we can't seem to find our way out of. And just want to remind you, we're in a Pentecostal church. If that hits you, just say amen. If you believe that, just say amen. I need some help today. We get stuck sometimes. Stuck in health struggles that we can't shake loose from. Pain that we can't seem to part with. We get stuck in career crisis, financial trouble. We get stuck in family drama. We just want to live for Jesus. We just want to be happy. But our crazy family keeps us stuck dealing with stuff we don't want to deal with. Can I get an amen? <laughs> we get stuck sometimes. We didn't mean to. We didn't intend to, but we get stuck. Stuck in religiosity. And routines that honor God on the surface, but never really impact the outcome in our life. And we're saved, but we don't see any fruit because we're stuck. I came to preach to somebody today. We get stuck sometimes. Saved, but still stuck. Sometimes we get stuck in bad habits. We get hemmed in by the consequences of trying to finish in the flesh what God started in the spirit and we get to a certain point where we think God you've done a lot for me but I got it from here it's okay I got it from here he sets us free and we're bounding happy 
and free. Look at me, Jesus. I've got this under control. And whoop. Right back in the trench. We get stuck. Listen, sometimes our heart gets stuck. Nothing seems to move or shake us. We come to church and the songs are sung, but it's like a glaze is over our eyes. And we sing the words, but they never penetrate to the deepest part of our heart. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied, but we might as well be quoting the gas prices down at the gas station because sometimes our heart gets stuck. And we go through the routines of worship, but, but we're really not connecting and interacting with our eternal creator. We get stuck sometimes. We get stuck in uh, a mentality that says church is about me and we come and we criticize the songs and we criticize the sermon and we say, man, if, it, if, this, if they would tweak this and if they would do that. And the reality is, it's nothing that anybody else could do will change the fact that your heart is stuck. Sometimes we get stuck. Nothing seems to shake us or change us. The pastor can preach from the bottom of his heart. And we walk away unscathed and unchanged because we're stuck. And church just doesn't seem to have the impact that it used to. And we can think back to the day when our hearts were tender and God was moving and God was speaking. And, and, and look, I'm stuck right here because I was going to move past. But I feel the Holy Ghost saying, stop right here as we get stuck and we forget where we came from. And we forget how desperate we were. And we forget how stuck we were. You know, the word stuck means the inability to move. The inability to change. And, and we forget that we were lost and undone before he grabbed us and saved us. We get stuck sometimes. We rev the engines every once in a while. Do the Pentecostal thing, but we never really go anywhere. We're stuck in neutral. You ever had a, had a, a car that was stuck? You could press the gas, but it wouldn't go? That's a weird place to be. Doing all this work, but making no progress? Stuck. Sometimes we get stuck in our minds. And we cycle daily through negative thoughts. Running the potential scenarios through our heads over and over again. And they never seem to turn out good. And when we look at tomorrow, we do not have hope. We do not have faith. We see the impending doom of circumstances that we cannot change. And, and we don't believe that it's really going to be all right. We're stuck in our minds. Running through what could be and what should be and what's not. And we complain and we murmur and we get upset and frustrated with God, with church and with everybody around us because we're stuck in our mind. Externally everything seems fine, but we're stuck in a hole somewhere. Unable to get out. Dealing with depression and anxiety dealing with anger and issues that well up from the inside because we're not seeing what we should be seeing. We get stuck in a victimhood mentality sometimes. Always blaming the world around us for why things are the way they are. 
And if, if, if I hadn't been let down and if, if somebody hadn't let, uh, uh, led me astray and if I if, if had had the right voices in my life and, and if mom and dad would have handled this differently and that differently and, and if this had gone some way or another, we get stuck in a victimhood mentality. Always blaming. Sometimes we get stuck in hopelessness, believing that it will never work out for our good. That life is static and unchanging and that our issue and our problem will never change. Because here is the truth I've come to preach today. Is we might be saved, but we all get stuck sometimes. God never intended for us to live in discouragement. He never intended for us to stay anchored in trouble, to live unfulfilled and empty little lives that mean not much in the grand scheme of things. That's not who God called us to be. That's not why he brought us out of Egypt. And that's not what he has put in our future. That's not God's plan. But we get stuck sometimes between being delivered from the world and walking into the fullness of God's promise. You see, it is for freedom, the Bible says, that we were set free. But like the sheep in the clip, sometimes God sets us free and a few steps later we fall into the same mistakes that landed us in the ditch in the first place. And listen to this, when we get stuck, we get stupid. When we get stuck, we get really stupid. Anybody ever seen a kid stick his head through a rail and get stuck? The level of panic and fear. Maybe you're that kid. <laughs> Maybe you remember what I'm talking about. Stuck. And all of a sudden, you start saying things to yourself like, I'm never going to get out of here. I'm just going to die stuck here in this hole. I'm just, no, it's never going to change. We get stupid when we get stuck. No logic or reason can change it. Listen, we, a few years back when we were pastoring in Flagstaff, uh, uh, there was a guy in our church I was trying to get closer to. He's kind of a problem guy. I can say that because he, he ain't watching this anyways. I was trying to get closer to him. And so on Christmas Eve, uh, you know, in, in Arizona, it's a, it's a wonderful place. We lived right near the Coconino National Forest. About uh, Dirt Road was about a mile from my house. It would take me as far into the woods as I wanted to go. And out in the woods, you could go shoot. So I, I, I took this guy, and we were going to go shooting. Now, don't get the wrong idea. I wasn't going to shoot him. I was hoping to build a relationship, but that might have taken care of the problem. <laughs> but we go down about seven or eight miles into the woods, and it's a cold day. It's December 24th, and, uh, you know, we shoot for a while. We bring targets. You can shoot out there in the woods. We clean up our brass. We get ready to go, and I had pulled off uh, of the main road, the dirt road, into a culvert, but, and while we're shooting, it starts to snow, and it ain't like Louisiana snow. That snow comes heavy and it comes fast. And before we knew it, there was about 8 to 10 inches of snow on the ground. And we thought, oh, we'll get out of here. I had a big four-wheel truck. So I backed up. I put it in reverse. And I was going to back over the same culvert that I would pulled off on. And I misgaged it because the snow had everything level. And I dropped one of my wheels down in a ditch. And I said, oh, no, I'm stuck. And, and we tried for a few seconds before I got stupid <laughs> because when you get stuck you get stupid and I, I was like you know what here's what we're going to do we, we tried for about 10 minutes and, and uh, we're, we're down the road I said we'll just call a tow truck man 
we'll just call it, we'll just, I'll just foot that bill way out here in the woods. We'll get a tow truck. It's a dirt road. Maybe they'll come down here. We'll call. And I get my phone out. No signal. I'm really stuck. <laughs> I'm going to die here with a guy that's a problem. I didn't get to open the presents that my family got me for Christmas. And, man, I'm stuck. I think, well, I can just walk. And then I remember the story of a guy who got stuck in the woods in the snow right near where we lived, tried to walk out, got lost, ended up dying out there. I said, man, if I move, that's going to be me. The, the survival stuff says you got to stay right where you're at. Maybe somebody will come by. Oh, no. What are we going to do? Me and him, we're both losing our minds. This is it for us. To get down on our knees and get things right with God before the cold death comes. We freeze out here alone. About five minutes later, a car comes driving by out of a ranch. And I run over to the road, waving my arms. And they pull up, and they have plenty of bars on their cell phone because they live back there. They know the phone service to get. And we were just fine. But for a minute there, I thought everything was going to end because when we get stuck, we get stupid. And we start losing our faith, and we start losing our hope, and we start panicking and going through all of the scenarios that could possibly happen to us. Anybody ever been there? And, and that's Israel. Israel thought that on the day of Passover, that in a couple days' time, they would be feasting in the promised land. God was delivering them, and everything was good. But we see when they come to the Red Sea, they get stuck. And they start saying, God brought us out here to die. He's just going to leave us right here. He brought us all the way out here to die. Was there not enough grains in Egypt? Losing their minds. And God delivers them through the Red Sea. And then a few days later at the waters of Mirah, the Bible says they come and they're dying of thirst. We have no water. Moses, we're all going to die. Our babies are going to die. We're all going to die. It's over for us. And they find water. And when they drink it, the water is bitter. And they lose their minds again. And God shows Moses a tree. And he casts the tree in the waters. And the waters are made sweet. And God comes through again. And they were losing their mind. And losing their faith. And losing their hope. But God was still with them. And God was still for them. And God was still working on their behalf. And when you get stuck sometimes you get stupid. You start believing stuff that's not true. You start believing that maybe this is my chickens coming home to roost. Maybe this is how God finally puts an end to all of my shenanigans. Maybe this is it. Maybe God is done with me. And Israel gets stuck in the wilderness. God brought them out of bondage with a mighty hand. And scripture says the horse and the rider of Egypt were thrown down in the sea. He buried the chariots of their oppressors under the waters of the Red Sea. The power of Egypt was broken by a God who was bigger than any scheme or ploy to keep God's children bound. And the Bible says they walk out of Egypt with treasures in tow. They have the gold and the silver. They loot Egypt on the way out. And, and 1, Corinthians tell, uh, 1 Corinthians 10, Paul tells us, they were all baptized in the cloud and in the sea. They were saved, folks. Born of water, the sea, and spirit, the cloud. They were saved. 
God brought them out by the power of the blood to a new birth experience. They were slaves, but now they are the people of God. They were slaves in Egypt, but now God has delivered them. And God's intention was to bring them out so that he could take them in. Totally set free from sin, from shame, from their past, so that he could lead them into the promised land. But that isn't how the story happened. They were set free only to get stuck again. For the people of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness until all the nation, the men of war who came out of Egypt, perished because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. They never get to see the land of promise, the thing that God delivered them for. They never get to see it. The scripture tells us that they come as far as Kadesh Barnea. And there in Kadesh Barnea, it's on the border of the promised land. The Bible tells us they send in 12 different spies. And those 12 spies uh, go in and spy out the land. And here's what they discover, that it is everything that God said that it would be. It is a land that flows with milk and with honey. It's a land that will provide every one of our needs. This is a people who God has delivered, and, and it's just right in front of them. But they can't seem to reach it. Because 10 of the 12 come back, and they bring up an evil report of the land. Listen to this. The journey was an 11-day journey. An 11-day journey. But that isn't the timeline that we see play out in reality. They stop on purpose. 11 days to Kadesh Barnea. Do you know how long it took them before they even sent the spies in? It took them a year and a half. A year and a half. They get out of Egypt and for a year and a half they're eating manna and drinking water from a rock in the wilderness and just surviving on the provision of God. They are brought out of Egypt and one and a half years later, they come to the edge of the promised land. It was an 11-day journey. Let me stop you right there and explain something to you. Is slow is not stuck. Now, it took them a year and a half, but in that time, they were moving. They were drawing nearer. You see, Mara had a purpose. LM, another place they camped, had a purpose. And sometimes God slows our progress because he has a purpose in the process. Sometimes God doesn't just take us from A to B. Sometimes God is working some things for our good. And sometimes he's working some stuff out. And God may be moving slow, but it does not mean that you're stuck. Slow isn't stuck. Some of us are frustrated and feel stuck, but we don't realize that we're in a place where God is building us up for the journey. God is adding things to us for the journey. God is taking us at a pace that is sustainable for our faith. You see, if they had moved too fast, they probably would have lost some kids along the way. They probably would have lost some weak ones along the way. And so God moves Israel through the wilderness in that first one and a half years at a slow pace so that it is sustainable. So that they can arrive with everything that God wants them to have to receive everything more that God has for them. Slow isn't stuck. 
But when the ten spies come back with an evil report of the land, progress, slow as it was, comes grinding to a halt. Because listen to what the Bible says. It says that the ten spies magnified the challenge while minimizing the master. They discouraged God's people from taking possession of God's promise. And Numbers 32, 9, For they went up into the valley of Eshcol and saw the land and discouraged the heart of the children of Israel. They took from them their courage. They discouraged them. They stole from them their confidence that they should not go into the land which the Lord had given them. And the Lord's anger was kindled the same time and he swears saying and upward we shall see the land which I swear uh, from 20 years old and upward shall see the land which I swear unto Abraham unto Isaac and Jacob because they have not wholly followed me what happens is they come to a point it's a transitional point they have already been saved from Egypt and they've come out and they are at a transitional point where God is ready to move them into everything that he had prepared and promised for them for generations dating back but they got discouraged at the last moment before they went in they got discouraged before it came to pass they got discouraged because it wasn't easy and they come back and they say you know what there are giants in the land Big old boys, corn fed. And their corn ain't like our corn, it's better corn. They got protein packs up in their corn. They are bigger than we are. And they got cities, but not like we've seen. They've got walled cities. And, and, and they've got Jericho. And do you know that they have chariot races on top of the walls in Jericho? The people in this land, they are not weak, but they are strong. And, and yes, there is milk and honey. But there are enemies and there are obstacles too. And what they did is they discouraged Israel from walking forward. They removed from them their confidence. And progress stopped. And the people got stuck. Saved. They're not in Egypt anymore. But they're not living out the plan that God had for them either. They're not back where they used to be. But they're not where they're going yet either. They're not... Slaves in Egypt, but they are stuck in circumstance. And their lack of confidence in God and in themselves brings progress to a grinding halt. Because they choose to believe the voice of discouragement rather than to obey the voice of promise. They, they refuse to believe the same God that's been feeding and clothing them. The same God that brought them out can take them in. But they lose their hope and their confidence at the last minute. They grew discouraged and they could not move forward. And I've come to tell somebody today that the voices that you listen to will determine your trajectory. Because when faith flatlines in our life, it is because we have started listening to the voice of defeat. It's because we've started tuning in to the voice of discouragement. It's because we've amplified the voice of fear and hopelessness. And all that we can think about day after day is the difficulty and the dilemma. And we're not seeing God for who he is. We're just seeing that we're stuck and we're struggling and we haven't made it where we're going yet. And we think we might never get there after all. 
Discouragement tells us the giants are big and we are small. Discouragement tells us that we will never break through or overcome. It tells us that God really isn't with us, God really isn't for us, and that we failed too many times to recover. It's a formula for getting spiritually stuck when you magnify the obstacles. I just don't see how it could ever happen. And so we start to lose faith. Then we begin to believe the voices of doubt that rage inside of us. That we get stuck listening to. And we start believing the worst case scenario. And we lose hope for the future. And then we start minimizing God's role in our story. And we start thinking that maybe sometime that when we weren't paying attention God slipped out of our story and we're just stuck here forever God's not with us and it's not like it used to be you see they were stuck and they spend the next 38 years literally just a stone's throw from victory 38 years just a stone's throw living just outside what God promised and planned for them 38 years saved, but stuck. Half of a lifetime, not making any progress at all. And it begs the question, is this what God really wanted? Is this what God really designed and ordained? Is this really why God brought them out of Egypt? Is this why God met them at a desperate and lost moment so that they would spend the rest of their days not being fulfilled, not being free, not living in the things that God had prepared for them. Saved, but stuck. Baptized in the cloud and in the sea, but after their salvation, they don't really move forward. I mean, they're eating manna every day. They're drinking water from a rock. God is doing miracles of provision, but they're just surviving. They're just barely making it through. Just never know how it's going to go or how it's going to turn out. 38 years a stone's throw from victory. Saved but stuck. The day they gave in to discouragement, they were doomed to wander in the wilderness through the rest of their days. 38 years is a long time to be stuck. 38 years is a long time. How many of you are, are 38 or over? 38. I'm 38 right now. I can't help but God. <laughs> I asked God yesterday while I was studying. He started showing me some of this stuff. I was like, God, are you saying something that I've been stuck for 38 years? 38 years is a long time to be stuck. A lot can happen in 38 years. See all this gray up here on these temples? That's 38 years. That's what it'll do to you. <laughs> It'll put some gray hairs on your head. It'll cause other hairs to turn loose. <laughs> hey Amen. I'm not looking at you, Brother Shannon. <laughs> 38 years is a long time to be stuck. 38 years. I'm talking about everyone who was 20 years and older. 20 at the time that they got stuck. And 38 more years. Almost four decades of no progress just camping outside able to look over the river and see what God has been they are living not in victory but victory adjacent going to church Christian saved doing good 
fine, good to see you, brother. But they're living just on the other side of victory. Never living the life that God gave them to live. Never having the marriage that God wanted them to have. Never fulfilling the ministry that God called them to have. Saved but stuck. Not really moving. Not really growing. Attending. Coming. And and even honoring God in some ways but not moving forward. Not taking territory. Just stationary in their salvation. Stationary and saved. 38 years is a long time. Somebody say that's a long time. It's a long time to stay stuck because God created us to be a moving people. God created us to live taking territory. There's promises that he has given us. Listen, there is a Bible full of promises and God has made promises to you, Father, and your family, Mother. He has made promises that he wants you to live in. He wants you to walk in healing. He wants you to walk in victory. He wants you to walk in freedom. He wants you to know what it is to be content. He wants you to know what it is not to fear tomorrow. He wants you to know what it is to live in the blessings of God. He wants you to know what it is to to fulfill and live a life that ministers to other people. 38 years. It's a long time to be stuck. Deuteronomy 2.14. And from the time, the time from our leaving Kadesh Barney until we crossed the brook, Zared was 38 years until the entire generation, that is the men of war, had perished from the camp. As the Lord had sworn to them. So day after day they ate manna while looking across the river at what could be. And dreams that God had placed in their heart were unfulfilled. 38 years of dealing with the same problems. Repeating the same cycles. Depending on God just to make it living in a place that was meant for passing through. It was just a by station. That's all it was supposed to be. But they spent 38 years camped out just outside of salvation and not quiet into the promised land. Longing to be free but finding themselves unable to break loose. Stuck. Caught up in the consequences. Held in position outside the promise. 38 years stuck. 38 years. The incredible thing about the Bible is that it is hyperlinked. Uh, Don't worry, I'm not going to preach much more. The Bible is hyperlinked. And what I mean by that is, is there are parts of the Bible that connect with one another. That if we will let the Spirit, He will show us what He's trying to say through. And as I was studying yesterday, I began to study the number 40. I'm going to throw a quick quick factoid to you. I was looking at the number 40 and I found a Reader's Digest article about the significance of the number 40. Do you know that during the bubonic plague, when a ship would come into into a port, that if they thought that it had bubonic plague on it, they would require it to sit in the harbor for 40 days, 40 days waiting before they could come in and bring their goods in. And the Italian word for 40 is quarenta, and it is the root word of the word quarantine. I don't know about you, but that hit me, that I feel the Spirit saying it's time to get unstuck. We've been quarantined. We've been through our 40. We've been stuck, but it's time to break free from what has been happening to us. And so the Bible is hyperlinked. This is not the only passage where somebody was stuck for 38 years. 
That's not the only one. Because in John chapter 5, the Bible tells us that Jesus came to Jerusalem. And it tells the story of a paralyzed man who came and laid himself by the pool of Bethesda. Now, now the pool of Bethesda is a special place because it was a place of five colonnades or porches. And the Bible uh, tells us that once a year an angel would come there to the pools underneath the porches. And the angel would trouble or stir the water. And the first man in the water was set free from whatever ailment or illness had brought him there. You just had to get in the water in time. And you were set free. And so along comes Jesus to the pool of Bethesda, surrounded by these five beautiful colonnades. And the scripture tells us that, that because of the quality of healing that came to the waters when they were troubled, that there were many who were sick and lame and blind who just camped out there, who made the pool of Bethesda their home. It was meant to be a beautiful site, a place to visit in the city, just a passing place, beautiful place. But there they started living, and day after day, these sick and lame and halt would have their people bring them to the pool of Bethesda because nobody knew when the waters were going to be troubled. And they would lay them. Some days they would get a good seat, you know, like the grocery store. Some days you get a good parking spot, other days you don't. Some days... They had help, and other days they didn't. And through time, the porches fill up with lame, paralyzed people who are living in this stuck place. The Bible says one of them, there was a paralyzed, invalid man who was lame, listen to this, for 38 years. It's my personal belief. I don't have proof, but I don't believe he was born lame. I believe that something happened to him along the way that he was paralyzed. And, and just allow me to play with the story in my mind. Perhaps he fell off uh, of some high place and was paralyzed. And they thought he was going to die, but he didn't die. Somebody came along and saved him. And he was alive, but he wasn't really living. Because for 38 years, he came and he was laid at the pool of Bethesda. 38 years he had watched other people get their healing. 38 years he had watched 38 others get set free. 38 different times. And he missed it every time because he didn't have anybody to help him. He didn't have anybody to put him in the water. He's paralyzed. He's stuck. He can't move himself. 38 years is a long time to be stuck. It's a long time to sit by a pool just a few feet away from healing. But there seems to be nothing you can do to get there. And oh, perhaps one day he was the first to spot the waters bubbling up. And he sees it happen in front of him. And he looks around and he has no help. And so he has no hope. And he watches the water bubble and he wishes that he could just rise up and walk over. And get in the water and be free. Wishes. 38 years is a long time to be stuck. And along comes Jesus and finds this man laying by the pool of Bethesda. 38 years. A paralytic. 
38 years, alive but not living. And Jesus, Sister Doris, walks up to him and has the audacity to ask, do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be free? Do you really want healing for your body? Do you really want to really live? Is this what you really want? John 5, the sick man, uh, uh, the Bible says, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said, do you want to be healed? Do you know what Jesus was referring to? As he was referring to the mentality that gets stuck and says, this is all I'll ever be. And so I might as well just stay here. This is all I'll ever be. And Jesus challenges his circumstances. He says, is this really what you want for yourself? Do you want to be free? And the sick man answered him and said, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. Do you hear what he said? He said, while I'm going, I don't have any help. But when I see the water... My legs don't work, but I start dragging and doing whatever I can, but I have no help, and so I cannot make it there. In other words, he says, Jesus, if it was up to me, I would have been free a long time ago. If it was all on me, I would have been free a long time ago, but I, I don't have what it takes. I don't know how to do it. So I just keep coming here, hoping and believing that something will change. I want the musicians to please come. I was hoping 38 years is a long time. And Jesus asks him, he says, do you want to be free? Do you want to be whole? Do you want to be healed? The man says, I would have a long time ago. Sir, I'm trying my best. I've done everything I know how to do, but I'm still stuck. And the Bible says that Jesus looks down at the man And tells him, get up, take up your bed, and walk. And it's a pivotal moment in his life. Because the word has come forth. Get up, rise up, and walk. It's a pivotal time. Because he could have said, I've tried that before. could have hung his head in shame and said, God, I don't have what it takes. He could have believed the evil report or the voices of discouragement and doubt that had told him for 38 years, this is all you'll ever be and this is all the life you'll ever live. He could have done that. You see, when the word of God comes, here's what I've come to preach to you. We have the choice to make. How much weight are we going to give to the Word of God? Because you know what we're used to doing is we're used to poking holes in the theory. We're used to telling God all the reasons why it cannot change, why it never will work, why my situation is different than everybody else's, why I'm stuck here, and why I'll stay stuck here. That's what Israel did when God said, go in! Joshua and Caleb were voices in the darkness crying out, we can take it! We can do it. God said we can. And so we can. And they said, I don't think so. I've tried.
voice of God comes, what will you do with the word of God? Would you stand with me? What will you do when God speaks to you? Do you know why saved people get stuck? It's because they stop listening to the voice that called them out of darkness into the marvelous light. Because we believed in salvation, but we don't believe in the promises of God. And listen, there are things, good things that God has for you here today. There are things that God wants you to overcome. There are cities that God wants you to take. There are farms and fields that God wants you to live in. And you don't have to live saved but stuck. You don't have to be spiritually stuck. You don't have to be emotionally stuck. You don't have to stay stuck in doubt and in fear. You don't have to stay stuck in anxiety and depression. If you're sick in your body, you don't have to stay stuck in sickness. Because just like the man at the pool of Bethesda, the healer is here. Help is here. Hope is here. And his name is Jesus. Would you bow your heads in the close of this service? I believe that God is talking to some of you right now. That God is speaking to some of you right now. Stuff that you've been stuck on. Questions that you can't seem to find answers to. Stuff that you've resigned yourself to live with. And I hear God speaking to some people in this room that you can be free if you want to. But what you really got to do is you got to start putting weight on the Word of God. And when God says rise up, you got to find some bit of faith down deep in your soul and say, I will rise up. I will get up. I will march in. I will take the land. I will move forward. Oh, God, right now I pray in this room that your spirit would speak. Lord, you're giving a word already to somebody's heart and to somebody's life. God, you're speaking to somebody's situation even right now. And Lord, you're telling us that healing is in the house. That hope is in the house. God, I pray right now, Lord, that you would baptize us with faith. God, I pray for stuck Christians that are spiritually disconnected. That they would start hearing the voice of the Savior again. That they would start hearing the voice of the Master again. God, I pray that we would reach over and turn down the voice of discouragement and turn down the voice of doubt. And I pray, Lord, that you would raise us up and pull us out.